Bleacher Creatures podcast. Bleacher Creature. 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 Bleacher Creature himself. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode two of the Bleacher Creatures podcast. For those of you who reached out on all the different platforms and actually sat through and listened through episode one, myself and John, we really, really appreciate it. Like I said, we're not here to waste anyone's time and give you subpar content. And I think uh, based on the feedback that I know I got from people that had listened to it, they actually seemed pretty impressed. So I guess that makes us look good, right, bud? Yeah, no, it definitely helps. There you go. And we need that positive feedback too cuz, you know, you know, it helps. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah, a lot of sports talk shows and sports talk hosts who have no idea what they're talking about. Exactly right. right. Exactly yeah, right. I'm pretty tired of those. Well, right, that's literally the whole reason we exist. Yes. So, as opposed to going on a straight MLB hour like we did rant. last episode rant whatever whatever you want to call it there, there was some stuff I needed to get off my chest about the Mets I mean that was that was just building up and building up and I, I had a lot of that right <laughs> well clearly yeah at that point you kind of came off sounding like a um what's the word here like a like a broken valve that was just like leaking gas and ready to explode yeah, no, that was building up for a while. And we'll touch base on uh, what I said last week and how it's already two-thirds of the way true, unfortunately. Well, you we'll know, touch on that later. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it can never be all sunshine and rainbows in Queens, can it? No, never. never, never. <laughs> God forbid. So, last night, we had what... Could have been, I would say, one of maybe the the five biggest NFL games of the year, um, with, sure, between sure. between New England and Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, that was definitely, uh, yeah, that that was definitely most likely a top five game. Yeah. Right, and I'm kind of happy it didn't turn out like that Steeler Panther game from many weeks ago, where it was like an absolute, you know, just an absolute destruction and a runaway. Yeah. Uh, this this had a playoff feel to it. It did. Uh, it, yeah, it had. Sure. Right. But the night, the, I mean, the fact that the game was at night definitely gave it that playoff feel. Yeah. The, uh, the fact that you could see the players breathing. Yeah. You could see their air. That definitely just the whole game had a real playoff vibe to it, and that that was a pretty cool game to watch for sure. You know what's funny too? Like obviously we 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 have. You hope I assume y'all listeners know based on my intro from last episode. I am a very very diehard Steeler fan. And when I saw that we came out in our color rush uniforms, I, I was immediately reassured that okay, we are not we're not fucking around for this game. Like we're not taking this lightly. We gotta beat these people. We gotta beat the fucking Patriots. Like we have to. That that to me was like the first sign of like we are here. And you yeah, know what? I yeah, and and what's what's crazy is. I, you know, I'm not going to say I didn't expect us to win that game. I, ex- like, I, you know, if I was a betting man, I would have taken the over. 
The over uh, was like 52. I, I, I did expect Pittsburgh to win because the game was in Pittsburgh. But that's uh, but that but that but you know as well as I do, John, the Patriots coming to Pittsburgh has not done any favors to the Steelers. No, it, it hasn't. But I, I before the game, uh, somebody asked me who I thought was going to win. I said Pittsburgh. But once the game started, I, I remember saying I don't know why I picked them. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> because. Uh, I forgot. I, I guess for a split second I had forgotten, believe it or not, that Connor wasn't playing. Yeah. Obviously, Bell's not there. Uh, I, I didn't trust Pittsburgh that much as a team. Yeah. Uh, and and I didn't trust. The biggest thing is I didn't trust Boswell, and I wasn't wrong about that either. Well, to be, to be fair. Well, based on based on the the the, the Steeler fan input that I saw um, through social media, like different Steeler fan groups and you know like the Twitter sphere. Yo, people were actually surprised that Boswell kept his job going into that game because they did that kicker tryout midweek, but it was only like two kickers and Boswell. As of, as of right now, he still has a job, and I, I think we spoke about those this morning. I know you're surprised. I'm not surprised about that. Right. Well, the, the Steeler the Steeler feeds that I'm on. I don't. I guess people overreact. You know, like just I don't get what it is. They're having these meltdowns. They want Boswell cut, which I get. They want Tomlin fired. I, all this, all this overreaction is 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 just like. Yeah, I don't know why you want to fire Tomlin, one of the best coaches in the NFL. That's just ridiculous. Right, and that, that's the nonsense fans who who have a few too many beers and a few too many wings, but really don't know anything about their team talking. Yeah, that, I, I'm not going to fully disagree, um, but I will say this. So I watched that game obviously from opening kickoff to the last second fourth down incompletion and I got to say this like I said I was going to take the over in in that game if I was a betting man cuz usually you'd figure Brady knows how to play the the Steeler 3-4 he knows how to beat it he's proven he can do it so many times now and then you'd have to think that the Steeler offense can't be held quote unquote in check for four consecutive weeks of like you know lousy underperforming lethargic kind of sloppy play they did get held in check right but what i'm saying is as opposed to you could say held in check as far as like case in point we should have scored more points boswell missed an easy chip shot field goal that was bullshit but uh, you know, I'm not, and it, I'm not saying we need to score 35 to 55, whatever a game. That's insane. You can't expect that. I, I don't know. With, with an offensive line like the Steelers have, uh, and with um, AB and Juju mm-hmm. and and Jesse James and Vance McDonald, who are very underrated. Yeah. There's no reason that you can't be putting up 25 a game. Right. The problem is when you're facing. Like, the loss to Oakland concerns me more. Only on the sheer basis that that's a game we should have ran away with and we ended up losing. Not not just because of, like, the Boswell slip on the on the field goal attempt. Just, like, we, we... I don't know what it is with this team. We don't seem to show up for even, like, the 2-10 and, like and 10 team. Like, we got to play everyone like it's a must-win. This inconsistent nonsense that's become kind of the Steeler way gets a bit annoying. 
Like I know, I know we got screwed against the Chargers. That's in the past now, but we can't be losing games to Oakland. We can't be tying Cleveland. You know, the, and we can't go zero and four against the the AFC West. Well, there's a couple of things that I saw in that game. Go ahead. What 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 did, what did you see as a as a Jet fan looking in from the outside? What did you see? What what did you take away from that game? Uh, the number one thing is is why I don't understand why uh, Antonio Brown is not getting the ball more on one-on-one coverages than he did in that game. And that's the really only the one Steelers game I've really watched beginning to end, but there was a lot of situations where he was one-on-one and he didn't get the ball. He didn't even get looked at. I'm very confused at that. Um, I can tell you right now, um, Gilmore played lights out yesterday. doesn't matter. If you're the best receiver in the NFL, you're one-on-one, you are going to get a bunch of balls thrown your way. He didn't get that. Right, but also it was only one-on-one for those first maybe – Seven to ten yards. They were playing a lot of cover two, but they were right. But for the first seven to ten yards, and AB can't run quick in out slants, come back, and, and then break loose for a long run. How many times have you seen him do that in his career? So there weren't. I, I think the Steelers' game planning was a little off. Uh, Jalen Samuels is a great gadget offensive player because the guy can play tight end, fullback, running back. Could probably play some receiver if needed. Yeah. So my my take is that the Steelers' offense makes running backs. Their, their offensive line, their blocking scheme. Yeah. So that's great for you guys, right? That you know you have a backup for Bell and then James Conner. Yeah, it was. Where it was. was where was Juju Smith-Schuster? Uh he was there. He only had about four catches for somewhere in the ballpark right, of forty yards. He didn't show up. So my point is, if you have two of the best receivers in the NFL on your team. With a quarterback who can sling the ball, I mean, Roethlisberger definitely didn't make the best reads all game, in my opinion. But good enough. I, I think the game planning was off. Um, the game planning, was, in my opinion, was off. They looked confused a lot of the time. The only time I saw continuity in that offense is when the offense was running through Jalen Samuels. Yeah. I mean, the O-line definitely did what it had to do. It usually does. No, um, it was fine. Yeah, but when the ball was going to Jalen Samuels, that offense looked in continuity. Yeah, when, and I, when they were trying to throw the ball a little bit, there was no continuity in that passing game. Roethlisberger looked off. Brown didn't get open, even when he was one on one. Roethlisberger to throw to him. Juju Smith-Schuster disappeared from the game for chunks at a time. Um. Yeah, I, I mean that's. Well, what I what, what I what I would what I would urge Randy Fickner. To, to look into going forward with these last two games is if you're getting Connor back next week, um, you got to kind of – I think you have to go into some sort of a conservation mode with Connor because he's definitely a valuable asset to the offense. He's, he's proven that beyond any sort of a doubt at this point. My I, thing yeah, is, I but don't think but that makes a difference compared to Jalen Samuels. No, but you can utilize if you you can. Samuels is not going to give you the the style of power running that Connor will. Nor cumulative in yards, they're going to give you the same give or take the same yardage at the end of each game. Right, but it's but it stylistically it's different. Connor's that power runner. He always has been. It's not gonna that Connor is not the reason that they're going to go win a Super Bowl. 
if they are going to make a playoff run, they need to figure out that passing game, which has been irrelevant for the last four to five weeks. Right, but maybe you can, if you're the old coordinator, you can figure out ways to get Samuels into those old empty set packages where you had Le'Veon Bell split wide opposite A.B. If, if you need... If you need Jalen Samuels to be a reason that you make a deep playoff run, when you have Roethlisberger, Juju, and Antonio Brown, you already lost, in my opinion. There's no reason with Roethlisberger, Juju, and A.B. that you can't figure something out as an offensive coordinator and a head coach to make your passing game work. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, but... I'm just saying, they need to figure out something with those three. But but look at the guys who stepped up yesterday. Look at who stepped up yesterday. It wasn't A.B. I mean, A.B. had the touchdown catch, and so did Vance McDonald. But Juju had had a weird slow night. It was James Washington came up huge on one catch where he basically plucked it off a guy's helmet. Eli Rogers was getting a lot of volume because we just got him back. So I'll tell you what. I think that I'll, t- I'll give you a name on the Steelers' offense who I think is going to be better than Eli Rogers. Who? That's Washington. James Washington, yeah. Well, he's been – Big for them because he is a guy who stretches the field. Yeah. Which, which it's the it's one of the only things I saw Roethlisberger take a few. Ch- what did he take? Three deep balls on him in the game. So yeah, balls. right around there. All right. And they, but that's what I'm talking about. They were just one on one. It's not like he was wide open. It was one on one. Here you go. I'm gonna throw it to you. Right, but e- right, but even if you send a kid like Washington up the seam just to take the safety away. That helps get A.B. open. I agree. Right. So yeah, that'll free up Juju, Vance, A.B. You know, yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, he doesn't need – I'm not – yeah, right. You, you pretty much said it. He doesn't need to get the ball thrown to him to have an impact. Now, my biggest takeaway from the game, and I said this to my friend who I was watching the game with. I said, Brady was making the drive there, marching down the field. And I think Shaq Mason had a false start, right? That's what stalled their drive. Well, well, that old line the entire game was consistently, you know, a ball and chain to the offense. Now, but but my point is, is after that false start, I said this is the difference between every other Patriot team and this year's Patriot team. Every other Patriot team finishes that drive and scores no ifs, ands, or buts, right? Oh yeah. No, but I said this. It doesn't look like they're gonna. They stalled. You never see Tom Brady get the ball, drive down the field, game on the line, stall the fifteen going in. Yeah. When do you ever see that? Yeah. Never. Well, never. the last time I saw that was in the Super Bowl last year. My point is, this Patriots team is probably, in my opinion, one of the weakest teams they've had in a decade. That doesn't mean they won't make a deep playoff run. You still got Belichick. You still have Brady. Yeah, but they are very beatable. They are nowhere near invincible. Yeah, and I think Belichick knows that at this point. Right, and if I'm New so England, when's the last time they lost two games in a row? Uh, look that up. Yeah, they 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 usually they I know they I know they usually don't. They usually um, don't. They, yeah, and not only that, look at the way they lost two games. Very unpatriot like. Yeah, they lost on a they lost on a backyard school play, right? Yeah, in Miami. Because Gronk was out of position, there was no reason why a guy who could be, who can't move faster than you or me, all right, is in the game on a play like that to begin with. I mean, did you see him try to catch up to Jake? He couldn't move. Yeah. By the way, just to answer just to answer your first question, this is the first time 
the Patriots have lost a back-to-back games in December since 2002. Wow. So, okay. So, it just goes to show you, right? Yeah. Sorry I'm like loss in Miami. Yeah. I don't want to call it an unpatriot-like loss, but I'll call it not a very un-Tom Brady drive not to cap that off. Right. Well, well, he's driving right down. He's going right through that defense like butter. And and then a bonehead false start. A lot of holds, too. That last drive. Is that that drive is the epitome of New England season. We they, they got 75% of the way down the field. They're 75%, in my opinion, of the team that, that we're accustomed to seeing as the New England Patriots. Yeah. They're still good. They're still great, but they just don't have. They they need things to go in their favor now to win. The the, the, the other year, they get away with a few mistakes. The way I would put it is, when it gets to Tom Brady, especially once Thanksgiving rolls around, Brady seems to turn into this like assassin kind of where it's like you know what he's gonna you know between the combo of him mcdaniels and the whatever weapons you give him every you know every year there there's a killer instinct on that team this team doesn't seem to have it It, they seem to lack the discipline that they usually have which if you're a patriots fan should be frightening to say the very least i just you know what it seems like it seems like brady doesn't trust anybody you would think it would be. It's supposed to be Edelman and James White and Gronk are as trustworthy guys. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. I know I have Edelman on my fantasy team. Where was he in the first half of that game? Well, he had two big drops. No, no. Where was he? Where I forget. It. I know what happened. I'm saying where was he? He had three targets. Three what? targets. James White at halftime. I think James White had two targets. Yeah, they and were they were actually running Burkhead a lot. Which was, which... And, I, and you know what? It's because he has fresh legs, right? It's the end of the year. Yeah. I get running James Burkhead a lot. He is a. I get that. In fact, I would run him later in the year than Sony Michelle. With Sony Michelle having uh, problems fumbling in college and a little bit in the, uh, when he came back off the IR in the beginning of the year. But how are you not throwing these dumb passes to James White that were so successful all year? Well, so successful all year. You know, you know what I will tell you is. Since we're in the, I mean, is it? You think there's such a thing as having too many backs? If you're New England, no, I don't. Well, I don't. well, I'll tell I, you. I'll tell you what it looked like to me. It looked like there was no. It looked like they weren't keeping any of those backs in the game consecutively, like long enough for them to get into their own rhythm. Yeah, but you know what? I would say that's true for any player on any other team. New England has done that over the years. Different wide receivers. The only thing that's been consistent has been Gronk, when he, at least when he's healthy, right? Right. But everything else is just a rotation. The only thing that stays the same, whether it's games uh, during a season or over the last X amount of years, is Belichick and Brady. Yeah. They, they seem to be able to just, you know, everything else cycles. Right. Because play more because he has fresh legs. And that makes sense, right? Because you want a guy later in the year with fresh legs. Everybody's banged up. This guy's fresh. Mm-hmm. Sonny Michelle's had fumbling carries like I, or fumbling issues, like I said. He's a rookie. Yeah, he'll learn. He doesn't trust him as much as Burkhead. Yeah. But point is, is they're not using James White like they used him last or two years ago. Yeah. Like used him in the middle of last year, like they used him in the beginning of this year. Now the only thing I can say is he's a smaller guy. They might want to save him for the postseason. Yeah, probably. Like, 
But this is a big game. So yeah. I thought he was going to be utilized more in this game. They just came off a loss. Big game in Pittsburgh. You want to win it. Well, also, and- don't forget, had they won that game, they would have clinched the division. I know that. Right, which is which is the other thing too. It's like there's there was actually like some stake there. No, and they didn't use James White at all. Yeah, I. He, I don't know how this guy is still playing. He cannot move. Well, Luke, you you've... watch this guy play. It's hard to watch him run. He can't move. He can go vertically. He cannot move laterally. I this guy cannot move. Yeah. And I he's like six foot eight, two hundred seventy pounds. He will always be a big target. I do think we're seeing the last couple of games this guy's ever going to play. I mean, he's been questionable with back and ankle injuries for how many years now? When he when he is healthy. Yeah, it, it's always – yeah, it seems to just flare up on him and, and it, it turns into a month of not playing. Back and ankle, back and ankle. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that it, it just seems, again, in that offense there's no continuity either. They yeah. got away from what they were doing so well. I mean, to be honest with you, they did better without Edelman than they've been doing with Edelman. Yeah. Okay? Um, so that being said, from both teams, it seems like there was a lack of continuity in offense. Um, to sum it up, and they, if they want to make a deep playoff run, they are going to have to get that squared away because they are not exactly defensive stout teams. They, they play bend but don't break defense, right? Oh, well, yeah. Well, I'm happy you brought up the Steeler defense because you you know it's being a bend but don't break is totally fine. Not I, I get it. Not everyone is going to be, you know, Baltimore, Chicago, you know, like these elite defenses where it's you know Stonewall after Stonewall of you know performances out there. What I will say is you got to give a little bit of credit to. Pittsburgh in the in the realm of specifically the younger guys in the secondary. Like Artie Burns is notorious for giving up like 80-yard touchdowns. He's he's known for getting burned. You didn't see that happen. Who got burnt on that Chris Hogan play? That was the entire secondary's fault. That was that was a perfectly executed play action. But Sean Davis I think was Sean Davis committed to the wrong side of the field on that cover on that deep cover too. But aside from that, Joe Hayden has been low-key solid. He has reasserted himself as an elite number one cornerback in the NFL. Yeah, and we desperately needed that. Sense, guys like Sensabaugh, I get it. You know, Cody Sensabaugh is like that, that grizzled vet at this point where you kind of know what you're going to get. I like him and Burns yeah. in a rotation. Um, I thought Terrell Edmonds actually played – the combination of Davis and Terrell Edmonds actually played really well yesterday. I, I'll, I'll say this. I'm not that impressed with Pittsburgh's defense. Players look good. Yeah. Good players look great. Uh, Joe Hayden is an obvious example of that. He was a, he looked like a burnout towards the end of his tenure in Cleveland. Comes to Pittsburgh and looks like a stud now. Top five in the NFL, I'd say, right? So... Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'd say both defenses deserve credit. I'm not that impressed. I mean, that's why you have Tomlin and Belichick. Yeah. Right? I think that's where that's probably the guys who deserve the credit for that. It's not like you have big names on defense. Yeah, you got some guys, T.J. Watt and Hayden and, you know, when Shazier, when he was on the field. But this isn't a stacked defensive, like, all-star lineup here. So, 
Yeah, I mean that, that that's fair. Um, I think the coaches, the head coaches, deserve credit for these defenses. That's what makes these defenses go. Right. Uh, the offense, their, their offenses are good because they have talent. They got big names. You got Juju, Brown, Edelman, Brady, Roethlisberger. Right. You had Le'Veon Bell. Um, so if these two teams are going to make a deep run, it's definitely they're going to need to get their offenses more in sync. Their defenses are playing fine. Yeah. So, um, now let me let me ask you this because I know like yo like like we said on, from the onset, yo like we could have thought this game would be more high scoring, you know right. would have looked more like a traditional game. But I overall it seemed like this week around the league was just really really weird. Um, and the 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 one one game I'll definitely reference was the Dallas Cowboys absolutely shitting the bed. When they needed that win to at least clinch their spot in the dance. Yeah, that was a very weird game. Yeah. Um, we'll touch on my thoughts on Indianapolis later. I, I'm not impressed with the Colts at all. I don't know. That's just like an aberration in my mind. Like, I've like, been... I've... I, I didn't take much out of it. Like, they they showed up. They played like crap. They got their asses beat. And and I, I don't know what else to say. They, they got beat in all aspects of the game. And nothing good came out of that game. Yeah. Only bad. I still think Dallas is a good team. Yeah. I think Dallas is, Dallas is going is to be a good team. The way they've played since they've gotten Amari Cooper yeah. is really a top team in the NFL. But here's what baffles me with, with, with Dallas. You played the Saints and managed to shut down Kamara and Ingram. Right. But then nope. a couple weeks but then a couple weeks times. later, but then a couple weeks later, you let Marlon Mack go for a buck thirty-five and two touchdowns. That's just—I think again—I think that's for game planning. You think that's a game plan thing, or do you think Indy finally figured out their own line? I don't—I don't think Indy figured out anything. You're not going to give Frank Reich any credit. No. Oh no. come on, dude! They're seven and eight in their last. Was it since week seven? They're seven and eight, and that one loss was that bullshit, weird six nothing loss to Jacksonville. Uh, I, I don't think that, I'm not impressed. If the Colts do make the playoffs, they'll be knocked down the first round. Mark, I'm telling you right now. All right, you're on record. So you know yeah. what? We we got the recording. So if they, if they win Wild Card Weekend, it's on you. They will, sure, they will not win one. They, they won't even be a good game. All right, a Wild Card game that you turn off at halftime. Andrew Luck is not the same guy he was when he got drafted. That offensive line is worse than the New York Jets offensive line. No, it's, no the, shot. The defense is even more abysmal than their offensive line. Dude, you got it. Okay, here we go. See, now now I'm going to have to fight you on this one. There's, you like Darius Leonard? I like Darius Leonard, too. Leonard's a goddamn stud. He is a stud. but And that's, he holds them to somewhat be... be Beyond, without him, without him in the centerpiece of that defense, that linebacker, they probably are the worst in the league. But they have nothing else on that defense. Yeah, it's, I. Well, what do you mean? They are not a good team. They're I. I don't know. But I don't know how you can go and say that they're not a good team. They, you, it's hard to compare the Jets and the goddamn Colts. Look at the record. Look at who's beating the who. The Jets beat the Colts this year. Okay, but was that in the beginning of the year? Because look, look at the Cowboys, right? Just, just to set the to paint the picture. You mean in the beginning of the year when the rookie quarterback was like really more so a rookie than not? Well, yes, that's what it was. 
I've been I've I've always held the philosophy with with NFL teams that you need those first couple weeks to 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 find your identity and know if are you a good team or a bad team. Rookie quarterback for nobody on that offensive line and no stud playmakers run up forty points on him. I mean all I mean all I'm gonna say is if you th- I mean granted every team on any given week can shit the bed. We just saw it with Dallas. I know. That one game doesn't defy him. I was just making a point. You were saying, how can you compare him to the Jets? And the Jets beat him. My point is, I, Indianapolis, I would not I would bet a dollar on them to win. I don't like their coach. I don't like their quarterback. I don't like their offensive line. I like their running back by committee. I think they got a couple good guys back there. T.Y. Hilton's obviously good. Eric Ebron's a great receiving tight end. Uh and Darius Leonard's, I mean, there's no doubt that guy's a stunt. Yeah, and see, you know what it is? I'm, I'm looking I'm looking at the Colt schedule right in front of me. And yep. the trend here seems to be if you can score 28 on them, you'll probably win. But every team in the NFL can score 28 on them, I bet. In the playoffs, this is, you think they're better than the Chargers, the Patriots? No. The Steelers, the Chiefs? Well, there's four out of six teams. If they make the playoffs, they'll be five. Well, yeah. Because- see, like I'm looking. Let, see, like I'm looking at who they might play. In like, let's say they actually make the wild card. If they if they play Houston, they they don't they they they're zero and two against Houston. Houston, believe it or not, Houston's the only team I'd give them a shot against. Houston, we'll talk. We're going to talk about the Houston game in a bit, but Houston. They 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 just they don't know how the hell to win big games. They just don't. They don't know how to do. It. And that's weird because Deshaun Watson's the winner, mm-hmm. right? Beat Alabama twice in order to do that on the biggest stage. Right. In the last second, the second time, you know the guy knows how to win. And they have JJ Watt, who's probably the biggest gamer. Yeah. In the decade since Ray Lewis and Erlacher and Ed yeah, Reed right. and those guys, right? And he brings it on every snap. And you got Jadavian Clowney, Whitney Marcellus. But for some reason, it just doesn't work out. Yeah, well, I think I think Honey Badger, Honey Badger gives him another dimension too. I know it, and he is. Yes, I completely agree. But those two teams, Houston's the only team I can see the Colts beating. That's it. Other yeah. than that, and I, and I, that that goes the other way around. As far as the Texans go, the only team I see them beating in the AFC playoff picture is Indianapolis. So they beat any other team. More than what I'm saying now. Neither one of those teams will win a game if they have to play another team besides each other. So let's. So let me ask you this: If it trickles out, if it plays out where Houston wins that division and the wild cards are Tennessee and Indy, you think Tennessee is the best equipped team to actually survive the wild card round? Yes, I do. Is that because Derrick Henry all of a sudden turned into freaking son? Derrick Henry has been doing this late in the year, uh, the last two years. It's because he's he got fresh legs. He's 6'2", 250 pounds, and he runs, what, a 4 five forty? Yeah, No, I mean, clearly he's a freak athlete. I'm not saying he's not. What, what, Rabel at times can really coach that defense to shut teams down. I mean, it, well, that well, first of all, Tennessee's defense is, is solid as fuck. There's no other way to put that. Yes, but sometimes he makes them even better than they are. He well, takes them from great on occasion. Yeah, well, he well he's one of the few people that can take the the Belichick mentality and and inject it right into a team, and right. that that's one of those like X factors where that type of I don't want to say advantage, but having that in your back pocket can never hurt you, especially in a big game, Leo, late December, 
what get going making a run to the playoffs that type of thing can be a big difference when it matters right yeah, I, well back to the point i am not worried about dallas losing that game they have a young homegrown defense that kid uh vander ash he's is, a stud I, not only is he a stud they picked a replacement for sean lee who plays just like sean lee yeah they're i mean I, I, I in the video in the video I did for uh, Jones and for Sports on Thursday I literally said Vander Esch is Sean Lee with a neck roll. Yes, he is. Exactly. <laughs> That's I mean, basically it. They, they, they got Jalen Smith who was supposed to be a top five pick for that freak injury. Yeah, and he's playing some good football. Oh yeah, and Demarcus Lawrence on the end. Oh God, and if, Randy, if Randy Gregory. <laughs> stop smoking reefer. This guy's the lead pass rusher. You gotta stay off the weed. Weed. <laughs> the weed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am aware, but he, he has tremendous speed off the edge. But Jesus Christ, does he make some bonehead plays? <laughs> well, again, well, what he's thinking. Well, it, it's hard to, to, to get the sense of gamemanship when you're getting suspended for the weed. Yeah, I know. Be, but that all joking aside, and, they, and then they got that. Oh, what's that other kid's name who put uh, Irving on the inside? Oh, uh, can't. Yeah. Yep. And this guy is quick as hell for a deep defensive tackle. Yeah. Every everybody is homegrown in this defense. Right? Taco Charlton. Yep. Another another guy. And have, yeah, and then you have Byron Jones, who when he made from the switch from safety to corner, yep. he's playing top five corner football. Yeah. Yeah. I see Before, that. And, See, here's here's what I if you if you were to ask me gun to my head, do I think Dallas can be a scary team in the playoffs? I'm on the fence. I would have to say yeah because that defense has enough playmakers to limit anybody. We saw them we saw them completely shut down New Orleans. That defense is coming together. The biggest thing is since they got Amari Cooper, they are a new team. Amari Cooper is very similar to a Des Bryant like player when Des Bryant was younger. Yeah. Um, not the fastest in the world. Yeah. Uh, he drops balls just like, like you're right. Des drops a good amount of balls considering, right? Yeah. The, the same height. I think Des had a better vertical. Uh, big physical receiver and a big target for Prescott. And that's it. Well, what I, I would have to say, I would have to say this though, like, but do, do, you don't think Indy kind of gave you the blueprint to how to beat the Cowboys? Zeke didn't do shit. Neither did Cooper. <laughs> Zeke, Zeke hasn't, you know, he's had his games where he hasn't done anything. That's I, I'm not I'm not putting too much stake into them losing to Indianapolis. All right, I mean, I it it is what it is. Now you would. I we, think Dallas can give. I think Dallas can give teams like the Bears, the Rams, the Saints. I mean, they already beat the Saints, right? Yeah. I think they can give teams a good game in the playoffs. I, and if they won, I wouldn't be surprised. I would be very curious to see. Actually, I would love to see a Cowboy-Bear division round game. Yeah, I would too, and I'm, I'll tell you what, that's going to be some old-school, low-scoring football. Oh, yeah, that's a good old-fashioned 13-10. Absolutely. Yeah, With that... Oh. Leighton Vander leading the way, right? The, the points will be scored on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, right? yeah, there's a... Yeah, well, <laughs> let's be fair. Knowing Chicago, there there's a pick-six in there somewhere. Absolutely. But now you mentioned the Texans earlier. Yes. And they happened to play your Jets on Saturday night. Sure did. Um, anything, <laughs> any takeaways from that game, either on, like, the pro-Jet? Um, yeah. 
I got a few. So, number one, I, I had the Chicago Bears defense, just a little story, in my fantasy lineup. And uh, I picked up Houston. I'm like, ah, you know, Chicago versus Aaron Rodgers, even though what they did do in week one, or Houston defense versus Sam Darnold. Uh, Houston, you know, I'm taking Houston's defense. And something told me that was just not a smart move, even though on paper it was a very smart move. Okay, the Jets offensive line is abysmal. You got Watt, Clowney, Marcellus. Yeah. And once again, in a big situation, this Texas team does not show up. Now, did they win the game? Yes. The amount of talent they have compared to the New York Jets is like a varsity team beating an eighth grade team. Well, yeah, it's right. I would just. I mean, the amount of talent is incredible on this Texas team, name wise. Right. Well, no, it, it, it definitely the, is. He was slinging the ball like he was Brent. He reminded me the, the body mechanics, okay? Yeah. I don't want people to get confused with what I'm saying. Remind me very much of Brett Favre, of uh, Aaron Rodgers, of yeah, it, it, Roethlisberger it's... in their prime, where I, I, I think if I can just give you a visual of when – I don't want to say they throw off their back foot almost intentionally because it's almost like they're reading the play in slow motion, and they know like it, it, it's just coming naturally to them, and and it's like the play is going a million miles an hour, but in their head it's going ten miles an hour. Yeah, right. And I saw a lot of that in Darnold, and I saw him escape pressure, but not escape pressure like oh my god, where do I just escape now? Where do I go? What do I do? Yeah. Escape it calmly, like you see Rodgers and Roethlisberger, as you being a Steelers fan, do all the time, and make really calm like throws. Yeah, I, I, I recall one throw he made specifically. He rolled out to the left intentionally, clearly. I think it was like a design rollout, and he delivered this silky smooth ball to Robbie Anderson right on the sideline where, where Robbie went up, caught it, and just dotted the eye right on the sideline. It was yes. it was and he, right over a corner, right right. He he beat the, the the zone coverage that Houston was in, and it was perfectly thrown. And I want to go on the record too, saying I'm not a huge Sam Darnold fan, so I'm not one of those guys who's drinking his Kool Aid. Okay. The only thing I do like about Sam Darnold is I like that gunslinger like mentality. So as a Jets fan, the last time I had anybody good was Pennington and Sanchez. Now we're talking about Sanchez being a good quarterback. You know we got problems, right? You're right. But, Pennington could throw the ball due to injury. Right. And Sanchez, he got very rattled very easily. Um, Darnold, the thing I like about him is, it just is like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna chuck it up, and if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. If not, you're not. Yeah. I, I like that as a fan who hasn't seen a Jets quarterback been able to have a gunslinger-like mentality. It gives the team a little bit of swagger in their step. Um, he, tore that, he tore that team apart. I think he had a QBR that game of 100. Threw for over 200 yards, two touchdowns. He looked like a veteran quarterback in that game as a 20-year-old rookie. Did he turn 21? As a 20, 21-year-old rookie. Yeah. He looked, so, in that game, he looked like a veteran. <coughs> yeah. He, um... And I'll tell you what. I, I, I'll tell you what, Luke. On 4th and 14, the last play of the game, he escaped from Watt and Wiley. Or I think it was, Watt, or it was Watt and Clowney. In the same play, rolling to his left, Threw a bullet across his body on fourth and fourteen to Robbie Anderson, who just flat out dropped it. Yeah. I think about Anderson makes that play. I think he drives down the field and wins that game. Yeah, just to just to back up what you were saying, Darnold's um, Q 
QBR against Houston, literally 100.0. Yes. And Houston's no slouch to defense. Nope, not at all. Uh, and you want to say, well, they have studs around him and, and who? Who? What? The offensive line's protecting was so great. Elijah McGuire is so great. Yeah. Uh, Anderson's a, a lower-end number two. Yeah. So uh, Quincy Anunua. Well, don't forget about don't forget about Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon is a decent <laughs> tight end. I'm he's he's really not bad. But point no, is, he, he's, he's doing he's doing what count. he he's doing what he can with with such an obvious lack of weaponry. It's laughable. Yes, and I I'm not I I don't know if he's going to lead the Jets to a Super Bowl or not. But I'll tell you what, he's not afraid to try. Yeah. Not afraid to fail. I mean, I, I you don't see him put his head between his legs and start pouting like you saw Sanchez do on goddamn how many occasions, okay? Yeah. Let me put it this way. If the 2009 and 2010 New York Jets had Darnold instead of Sanchez, they won a Super Bowl. Yeah. No, I, I, dude, I, I hear you a thousand percent. And I don't like Darnold that much. I, I, I have my concerns about him. Um, He does seem to be improving. I, have, I do have my concerns. That being said, I do like him more uh, than Rosen. I was never a Rosen guy. Yeah. My only concern with Darnold is this, but this comes with the gunslinger-like mentality, which I do like, is the turnovers. The thing I like about the gunslinger-like mentality is if somehow you learn to, to lessen your turnovers, that makes you great. Yeah. A gunslinger quarterback who does not turn the ball over is great. Well, of course. Right? No, no, well, no, but I, and I know it's kind of like a, like, I, like, yeah, no, no shit statement, but, but that's the only thing I don't like about him yet. And he's 21, 21 years old. We'll see where, where he goes. But again, I don't trust the Texans to win big games. Well, right. Well, when you see Sam Darnold putting up a 100 QBR against that defense, that should, what, what that should scare you. Roethlisberger, Rivers, Brady. Yeah. Mahomes. Oh God. If, oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, if if Mahomes gets to play that defense, I would be very worried. Open big games, this Houston team. Right. Well, again, it's Houston's another one of those teams where you've been there before, but you 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 ain't done uh, you you've done nothing. Yes. Right. So it you know it, it they're very much show and tell, prove it kind of team. Yes. Now the last point I want to make on the NFL <coughs> for this week, are I wonder if people are aware that the number one overall pick in the Alliance Football League just won a game in the NFL. Do you think that's a? And you, do you know who I'm talking about, right? Yes. I got to tell you, if if Josh Johnson can win in this league, like I said, this is a weird, weird, weird week. Like, almost across the board. Seattle had no no business uh, losing to San Francisco. No, I think Jacksonville's given up. That's a whole different story. Well, yeah, Dallas, well, Dallas. right. Clearly, well. Wait, pro- no, you're right. San Francisco had no business beating Seattle. Right. Jacksonville is a dumpster no fire. Beating Dallas. Or at least not beating them, shutting them out, and making embarrassing no, no. them. Right. But, I mean, this is getting and in that... Eagles had no business beating the Rams. 
That's also true, but for some reason that Philly team with Foles has a completely yeah, different. I said this to you earlier. That Philly team with Foles is better than they are with Wentz, and I like Wentz. Well, I, I I wonder. You think Wentz has been? Uh, I I'm calling into question Wentz's overall full health. No, he has not been healthy all year. There's no doubt about right. it. Right. But I think the difference is the offensive play calling is more towards Foles' strengths than Wentz's strengths. Okay. Yeah. Wentz throws the ball more to the middle of the field in yeah. in the ten to eighteen yard range. Yeah. So you see one or two things. You see, he chucks it deep to Jeffrey, to Aguilar, or if that's not there, he's going to check it right down. There's no mid-game with Foles. Yeah. That's why why Ertz is not a good fit for Foles. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And that's why Ertz is huge with Wentz. Wentz likes the middle middle of the field. 15 to 20 yards? Yeah, yeah. Even 20 yards is stretching it. Foles, he wants to run those play actions deep. Yeah. He wants that one-on-one deep ball. And and a couple of those balls last night he threw against the Rams, he didn't care who was in his face, whether it was Saw, who was getting there because Donald was getting double-teamed a lot. He was just throwing it up. Yeah. I'll tell you, he likes Alshon Jeffrey a lot. You can really tell that between the Super Bowl, the playoff run last year and last night. Yeah. That's his That's his boy. And they play better. Yeah. They play, they play more fast-paced. They play more 2018 NFL football. Yeah, right. Where I mean – Shit, you more like 2014 or 15 football, right? Yeah, well, even then, when Wentz came back, you saw Wendell Smallwood basically fall off a cliff. Right, and look what he did last night. Right, which... And Eagles, are you thinking, can we trade Wentz and get great value for him? No, you you gave up so much to get Wentz to trade him would be the definite... That's a Browns-level stupid move. Maybe you get the same back. You don't know. <sighs> what? What? I mean, you at least listen to offers, dude. I don't know. I don't know. If I I can't. If I'm Philly, I can't. I'm sorry. There, I have. I don't have enough of a sample size. I know what Wentz gave yeah, me last yeah. year before the injury. That if was Foles promising enough. Super Bowl or Foles gets you to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I, I don't trust. I can't. I mean, I understand Foles literally won them a Super Bowl. I get that. No, and that could be just one magical thing. But what if this year, if he gets them back there, or gets them to the championship game? Well, what if what if he gets them to the championship game? He plays great, but they lose because the defense or whatever. You know. My point is, is do you consider starting Foles? Because I do. I, I I don't know if I can. I think you invested too much to get Wentz. It's just not admitting your wrongs. <laughs> My point is, is in today's game, where you have offensive gurus such as Peterson, McVay, uh, Andy Reid's old, but he reinvented the offense in, in Kansas City. Yeah. Something. What I'm noticing is you can get good players and make them look phenomenal. Obviously, Carson Wentz is more skilled at the quarterback than Nick Foles. Yeah. There is no doubt about that. However... If you can rebuild your whole franchise and still win games, why not? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I, not I, to say we can, we can be a Super Bowl contender and trade somebody away who can help rebuild our whole franchise for years down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I, right? That's all I'm saying. Because they play with a different swagger. They just went to – and that game was at L.A., by the way. Mm-hmm. L.A. just – 
L.A. just lost to the Chicago Bears, got embarrassed on Sunday Night Football in Chicago. Yeah. You know they wanted to come home and put a beating on this team. Yeah. They couldn't do it. Yeah, I don't I don't know if the Rams have it in them to win a slugfest. I think they can win a shootout, not a slugfest. I, I disagree. Uh, that brings me to my point of the Rams. Oh, kind of my next point of Super Bowl teams and, first of all, that game of the year with Chiefs versus the Rams. What a game that was, right? I well, mean, yeah. my Lord, what a game. Right, but that's a shootout. But but, but no. Kansas City had no defense. Neither team had a defense that game. Right, but I'm saying, but look what happens when you put them in front of the Bears. They don't do a damn thing. They're not the same without Cooper Cup. Well, that's abundantly obvious. You took you took away you took the baby blanket away from a still yeah. very young developing quarterback. Yes, and and not only that, the Chiefs' offense is not the same without Hunt. Yeah, but here's the difference: Cooper Cup is going to come back next year. I you can't say the same about Kareem Hunt. If he does, he's not going to Kansas City. Well, right, if anywhere. Right, so my point is that that's a huge blow for those two teams. And if they're thinking of making a Super Bowl run, I don't know how that's, you know, that's definitely going to work against them. Speaking of which, what is your Super Bowl prediction? Oh, Jesus Christ. My So my Super Bowl prediction, I'll give you what I, the game I think will happen, and I'll give you the game I want to see. Okay. The game I think will happen will be New Orleans, and I'm going to go out right now and say the Chiefs. Okay. The game I want to see is New Orleans and the Chargers. Okay. I Yeah, I think both are very – they're both very well, reasonable predictions. Both could likely happen. I, I'll tell you, I'm going to start with the game I'd like to see. Go ahead. I'd like to see the Bears defense versus that Chiefs offense. Oh God, that that I I don't know how I forgot that one, but that game would be incredible. Um, I the game I think that we are gonna see. I think we're gonna see, I think we're gonna see Saints and Chargers. Um, Chargers are coming down the stretch playing really hot right now, and yeah. I think that's me wanting to see Philip Rivers win one. Well, um, it's time. It's time for Rivers. It's time for Rivers. I think this is the best team he's had in years. And even without Melvin Gordon, they can still be productive. We they saw oh, we saw it against great. Pittsburgh. Eckler Eckler is no joke. Correct. Uh, no, I I, I I can see that. I don't trust the Chiefs yet in big games. I don't trust Andy Reid yet, or the Chiefs for that matter, in big games. Um I, I really would like to see the Bears get there and play the Chiefs. That would be fun. And you know what? The Rams, Chiefs again. That would that would be fun too. Well, I mean, yeah. The only difference is any scenario involving the Chiefs. There's one major difference that they haven't had all year except for this past week. Which is what? Eric Berry. Yeah, that's to be determined. We'll see how his health stays. Well, right. I understand that it was a severe injury, but at the same time. That defense was getting burned, like burned, burned. Yeah, Barry limits that. Give a difference, and I, I think Eric Barry is a all pro. But do you think he's going to be a difference man? I don't know. Well, think about it. You, you, anytime you're coming off an injury, you are probably the most injury riddled person I know. But when you're healthy, you're you know once you get back in your groove, 
you're at your peak. So you know, no, I, I think Eric Berry is, is that good. My my only point is is that I don't know if he's the reason why they make a run or not. Well, no, they'll make a they'll make a run based on Tyree Kill and Mahomes. Yes, Tyree Kill, Mahomes, and Kelsey. Correct. Uh, I, I think any running back you throw in that system is going to put up stats. Yeah, uh, it definitely seems that way. Um, no, so again, the biggest thing is, is is can Trubisky lead the offense for the Bears? Can the Chiefs get a stop? Yeah. Can the Steelers and the Patriots offense get in sync? Yeah. Can the Texans come up big for a once change? In the blue moon? Yeah. 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 Can Dallas get their offense to be? Can Dallas play consistently good football? Yep. Is this the Eagles that we saw make a run last year? Now that Foles is back. Yeah. Can the Rams get in sync on offense since Cooper Cup has been gone? They seem just haven't been themselves, so to speak. Yeah. Well, um, the good news and is we'll see what the Saints do tonight. If the Saints go to Carolina and blow them out tonight, they, they got to be the clear cut favorites. <coughs> yeah, I agree. I agree a thousand percent. Now, so what's on that? So now, yeah, the, the last two weeks of the NFL are going to be very, very interesting. They they always are, but this year seems to have a little bit of added intrigue that I'm very, very curious to see how that goes. Yes. Now, to pivot, you made a a call last week on the first episode where you said. Something to the extent of a guy like Wilson Ramos should end up in Queens. And lo no, and I, behold. I, I said what? What? Right. right. You, that's right. You actually did call that. And sure enough, Ramos is a Met. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, they spent $10 million on Familia. Uh, the, the Wilson Ramos deal, if you look at it, they didn't overpay for him. At no. all. In fact, I think they almost underpaid for him if you consider the catching market. Yeah. Wilson is definitely a top three offensive catcher in the majors. He's got great defensive statistics. He has had some health concerns, but they got him on a two-year deal for yeah. 19 mil and only 8 mil the first year. So they're not really overpaying. My point is that is what I said was they were going to sign three players to total up what Bryce Harper would give or take get yearly on his contract. Yep. So we got Milia... And again, the familiar contract's not bad. We're talking, and as much as I don't like the guy, I think he, he's erratic in big games. He has a 2-7, uh, I think, career ERA. He's played in New York in big spots, whether he's come out big or not in them is questionable. But he has played in New York. He's only 29. He only got a three-year deal for $10 million a year. Yeah, you're getting his peak years. But not only that, we, we underpaid for him. Well, give, well, here's the thing. Given the reliever market, you was, to pay for because Andrew Miller is going to get a similar type of deal, right? But but given the given the reliever market, there ha, there's a clear. I think the GMs now and the market has made a clear division between the bona fide closer and the setup man. Because Familia, Familia is a closer, but Familia before the trade, but Familia went to Oakland to be a setup man for Blake Trinan, and what yes. and what I think. You that ended up teaching Familia was that you can you don't have to be that guy. Case in point, he's there's no way Familia is your closer over Edwin Diaz. No, of course not. Right. So what I think is that you might have gotten a steal 
on Familia because you have a setup man now with Lugo and Diaz. That's a solid one, two, three in the back. And you have at least two thing. guys with closer yeah, but, experience. Yeah, but what I'm what, the point I'm trying to make is the price we got in that. So Kimbrough's gonna get the most money in this year's relief pitching, right? He had a two seven five ERA last year. Yeah, it's probably gonna be him and either Britton or Ottavino getting the second highest. Familia had a two eight eight ERA with the Mets last year. Yeah. And with the A's three point four five, so let's just add that together. We'll say right smack dab in the middle, like three point one ERA. Yeah. He's gonna get you you got him at fifty percent comparatively to what Kimbrough was. They're yeah. both the same age. Yep. And they both have played in big markets. And let, I'll tell you what, how did Kimbrell perform in the postseason? Almost seemed like every time he came in, he was giving up a first batter home run. Yeah, Kimbrell, Kimbrell was the feather in the wind. Yes. So my point is is that you you got a great deal on Familia, a great deal on Ramos. Now they're talking to Pollock and Jones, which I said last week. Pollock, we know that Pollock wants 18 mil a year. Lorenzo Kane type deal. His agent has said that. Yeah. Adam Jones is probably going to get near Andrew McCutcheon money. Same player, same type of history. Great teammate. Yeah. Steady all year. So 15 mil a year. You add up 10, 10, and 15. Then okay, you have the Harper number. Mil, you get Bryce Harper. And what I'm trying to say is, why don't you just get Bryce Harper? Yeah. So that's the point I'm making. And I'm two thirds of the way correct already. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the hardest one for them to do was sign Wilson Ramos. They need a right-handed bat in that outfield. They they need it. They don't they they, they don't like Juan Lagares. This new GM doesn't like him. So yeah, they need a new right-handed bat. They're trying to unload Lagares' contract and throw in a prospect for somebody to take the contract. Yeah, and I think somebody will do that. So all I'm saying is is that I'm two thirds of the way right, and I I think I will be a hundred percent right. And the only way this works out is if you're a Mets fan, is if they win a World Series. Because if it's another year of we lose in the first round, then why don't you just get Bryce Harper? Yeah. Because yeah. I'd rather not make the playoffs and have Bryce Harper than lose in the first round. I mean, Without Ramos him. is 31, Familia is 29, Adam Jones is 32, and Pollock's 29. So I I don't I don't like, you know, the direction that they're heading right now. They're, they are definitely trying to win now, but I'll give the GM credit. He's not overpaying for anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I... I'm not mad at the Familia deal. That that could be a bargain. It it on paper it's a definite well, bargain. It, no, on paper both deals are definitely a bargain. Right. Okay. And Ramos Ramos at his peak is is a, is a legit all star. There's no there any. And, and defensively, he's good too. He can call a good game. He blocks the ball. He's got a great arm. Right. Well, last year, just to give the listeners some insight, Ramos was 306, 15 dingers. 70 RBIs, 358 on base. And how many at-bats? In at-bats, uh, I have it right here. Give me one second. In at 382. 382. So that sounds very comparable to what he could do for the Mets. And that's a huge upgrade over Jose Lobaton. Okay, Nitto. And, and the one thing the GM said, and I think every Mets fan knows from last year, is the, the season spiraled out of control when they lost their starting catchers in back-to-back games. Yeah. Back to back games, they all start knowing Pulwucky for extended period. Now, in the National League lineup, where you have a pitcher who's an automatic out, they had a catcher who's an automatic out. They had two automatic outs. Mm-hmm. And that killed them. And that started this tremendous downward funk <coughs> that you haven't seen in quite some time. Only the Mets could do that. Yeah. So, this now gives them a formidable, deeper lineup. You have Ramos. And they did say Alonzo was going to start opening day. They pretty much ensued that. 
Yeah. They, they, they're not going to keep him down to extend and get that extra year in his contract like you see a lot of teams do now. So, you know, you got Ramos, you got Alonzo, you got Cano, you got Rosario, you got Frazier. They said McNeil's going to get plenty of at-bats. They're going to use him all around the infield and the corner outfield, possibly. And by signing Ramos, you kept Nimmo, you kept Conforto. Yeah. I mean, that's, did I mention any weak links to you? Well, I didn't see all stars, but did I mention any weak links to you? Your your weak your weak link is aside from Frazier, Ramos, and the guys that were on the 2015 Mets. I don't see much playoff experience, which could I, I kind of did. I, that's fine. Right now, I mean, everybody in that rotation has had playoff experience except Wheeler, I think. Yeah. But the okay, point is, Selman and Lugo have it too. Right, Familia has it. I, I kind of disagree with that point. Well, no, well, I'm, well, no, but I'm just, I'm saying you're. I know Conforto was there. Nimmo wasn't. Conforto was huge in that postseason run. Right. So, and and Cespedes has plenty of it. Ranger yeah. has plenty of it. Cano has plenty of it. So compared to most major league teams, that that's an untrue statement. They have plenty of postseason experience. Ramos has it. Yeah. Well, I, if you go up and. Most teams don't have. Let's just go through their pitching staff. They have four star, uh, three starters with legitimate World Series experience. Yeah. They have a catcher with playoff experience, a second baseman with World Series experience, a third baseman with playoff experience, and they have two outfielders with World Series experience. And in their bullpen, they have a two setup men with uh, postseason experience, one with World Series experience. And then they have Kesselman, who at this point is a middle reliever, spot starter with playoff experience. Yeah. Now, th- no, th- I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying nobody on the roster has been to the playoffs. Clearly, that's a dumb statement. I'm just saying the the Mets are not the perennial playoff participant like the Dodgers. Yo, you you see what I'm saying? They, I think that was a good thing because the Mets need a new. Just like the Jets, they need a new sense of we're we're not going to be this do the same shit year in and year out. Blow big games. Yeah. You know, be down five nothing, score four, believe the base is loaded in the ninth to lose the game. <laughs> right? Or the Jets, they're down twenty one nothing, score twenty points, but lose twenty one twenty. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of like that. I yeah. think that right now I don't. The reason I don't like this move is because I really don't like that outfielder that they're going to potentially sign. Yeah, it's... Like Ramos, I like Familia. I don't... Adam Jones, if you get Adam Jones for $10 million a year, that, you got him on the cheap, I guess that makes their team deeper because you have, you have three guys instead of one. I personally would still take the one, but I'm telling you right now, if they sign Pollock, I will lose it. I will go bananas. Oh, I... I, this guy. I hope that, let's say... In next week's episode, while we're recording it, I get a Bleacher Report update saying Mets and AJ Pollock, five years, eighty-five million. I hope that that breaks while we're recording, so you can lose your fucking mind. No, I, I really will lose it. Oh, I, I know you. Oh, I can't. That's what I'm saying. I'm praying to God that that crash. happens. It, he, Luke, he's a more expensive one, Lagares. I know. Why are we getting him? Well, Adam Jones is a veteran experience. He can handle. You know, I, he's a good clubhouse guy. He's he's and he's very like Andrew McCutcheon. I get that. That that, that makes a little more sense to yeah. me. Um, Pollock, you're overpaid. You're overpaying. Mm-hmm. 
You're unless this guy, and he's gonna want more years because he's younger. Yep. So you're overpaying longer. Adam, if you give Adam Jones a two-year deal, I could see him being. And you gotta remember, okay? You gotta remember they are planning on Cespedes coming back. Yeah. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but the GM said they are planning on that, which means this guy who they sign now is gonna be a rotational player and/or a fourth outfielder, depending upon how both Nimmo and Conforto do. Well. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, for Adam Jones. I, I don't see Van Wagenen being done wheeling and dealing with one more signing. No, I don't think he's done wheeling and dealing, but this is the most important piece left. I yeah. think Adam Jones is the perfect fit. He will be a good clubhouse guy, okay? He's played competitive baseball versus the Red Sox and Yankees. Yeah, I think he knows what's expected in the New York market. He's a right-handed bat. Career 280 hitter, good fielder, can play all three outfielder spots. And he, if Cespedes does come back, he can spell all three outfielders. If one of them gets hurt, you can plug him in to start. If you're in a World Series, you can put him in, in the field or have him DH. I think he'd be a great pinch hitter because being a veteran, he would have a good mentality coming off the bench. Yeah. And if you give him, he might even be more effective if you only give him 250 at-bats a year. Yeah, that's – I mean, I'm, I, I'm not – I can't really argue any of that. Now – so. They do. Yeah. Now to now, to, to flip over. Now, yes. To I was flip, gonna ask you what are your thoughts on J. A. Hat. Yeah. So, I personally like it. Um, I know you have basically coined the phrase, you know, playoff dog, and I'm not saying Hap is that guy, but Hap is a at least a proven AL East dog, and I that I can work with. Yeah, I. I don't think it's, we're done looking for pitching, for sure. I'm not saying we're well, going to go. <laughs> I, think, I think you are done in terms of in terms of getting a big ace. Well, maybe we're maybe we're banking on Paxton. I'm curious. I I, I, I haven't heard a lot on the front for anyone coming out of the Cleveland. No, no, that that's died down tremendously. Yeah, it really has, which is weird to me because why are you keeping Kluber and Bauer, but all of a sudden you traded away Yonder Alonso it, and Eddie Encarnacion? It, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, they're very – it seems like they're in no man's land as far as right. what they're uh, – And not only did you give up Alonso and Encarnacion, you traded Al- uh, Alonso in the division, which is weird. Like right. I don't like I don't yeah, it, it that was that was a weird that it seems like they have no direction right now. But that was just a weird deal. Like the whole thing is weird. You yeah. give up Encarnacion, who is no matter what he is, he's a thirty home run guy minimum, right? Oh no! Well, actually, hold on. Let me say this: Tampa played it the way I expected Tampa to. They got prospects and a you know and a player to be named. Yeah, right. Tampa is notorious. For- Right, but Bowers was a good player for them. That was weird to me. You know what I'll say? Yeah, the whole thing was very weird. But but in today's game, okay, the way baseball has ever uh, evolved, it's not that hard to find a guy who's going to bat you two twenty and hit you thirty home runs. You find that at, you can find that at your near your uh, local Verizon. Yeah, okay? I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I will say this. With with the Tampa Ray, Tampa Bay Rays, what they had as far as spending money, they were a ninety one team last year. Yeah, we all I guess like lost because there's Boston and the Yankees. 
They were a 90-win team with who? Well, they, first of all, let me just say this. They didn't even have enough starting pitching to start a starting pitcher every fifth day. They had to, they, they did the so-called opener, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, I'm just saying, I you can't doubt moves they make. No. Because they, they seem to do the right thing. If every GM was the raised GM, I mean, if, they, if the Yankees and Mets and all these big-name markets had a guy with their GM's mind, they'd be so much better off. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I think Tampa, I, I thought personally, I think Kevin Cash got completely robbed out of manager of the year. No offense to Bob Melvin. He, cause he did a hell of a job with Oakland, but Kevin Cash had less to work with, with a similar payroll. A harder division. And that too. Yeah. The angels were garbage again. You know, the AL West was a, was not what it was supposed to be. What the Rays did as an organization was completely amazing uh, all around. Yeah, and granted, and now, of course, again, Tampa has a goddamn ace, which is annoying. Blake Snell, that guy is dirty. Woo. Yeah, Snell's a, Snell's a beast. But Woo. point is, I, I am not going to go down the rabbit hole on the goddamn Tampa Bay Rays. All I'm saying is, in the, if you look at this this trade, like I don't I don't get what the hell Cleveland is doing. This makes more no sense to me. And they're half win now, then they're half selling. I have no idea. Well, you know, you, you know what I think. Ramirez, you, I don't know what's going on. Right you know now. what I think Cleveland is doing, which what's is that? I think they have become so comfortable in the easiest division in baseball by like a lot. Uh, that, yes. Like they can they can mortgage talent, knowing that as long as they have a healthy Lindor, Ramirez, and some pitching, because also too they traded away Jan Gomes, who's not right, a bad yeah, catcher. Not, not, that. not only that, but he came up very close to them every postseason. Yeah, right. So right. you're you're trading away from from like Cleveland always had a very good rotation between Diaz. I'm sorry, not Diaz with Encarnacion and. Alonzo between the first base DH kind of alternate play it as you like. Why would yeah. you get rid of both? If you want to get rid of one of them, like Encarnacion, I get that. We're gonna have to wait and see. Right, but we then also to too, you got rid of Gomes after you got rid of Francisco Mejia. No, I have no idea what is going on over there. Yeah, something right, but I and I don't see like I see that the Twins are in the running to get Nelly Cruz, which. For them would be good, but that doesn't put them at Cleveland's talent sphere yet. No, I think I don't think Cleveland knows what they're doing. I think I think we're wasting our time talking about it because if they don't know what we're doing, I don't know how we can know what they're doing. I don't think they know what they're doing. I don't think they know they're gonna trade Kluber or Bauer. I think here's what I think Cleveland knows. They have two guys named Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lador. Everything else is just I have no idea right now. It's a clutter. It's a. They have no idea what's going on. Well, they have. They have. They have some. They have some young guys. You know, Tyler Naquin is, is solid. Yeah, I like him a lot. But I like Naquin a lot. But all I'm saying is, I don't think they know that. I think they know I, Jose Ramirez and Frankie Lindor. Right, and then they got old, reliable Jason Kipnis still, which to me is a shocker. Yeah, but they want to trade him. They wanted to trade him for the last three years. Right, but so yeah, I don't. I, what I'm saying is, I don't think they know the direction they want to head it. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty safe to say that their main contention would be the White Sox, not right away, but down the road, the next couple years. Well, I'll tell you what, if the White Sox sign Harper and Machado in the next few weeks, we might be talking a little bit differently. 
Yeah, I I don't I can I can see Chicago having the money. I think Manny and Bryce want a win now situation. I don't think Manny cares. We'll but we'll save that for another. Day. I know, right? But yeah, so I think why don't we why don't we wrap it up here because we've been going for a good little bit now. You still there? And then I'm here. Well, I thought you were going to continue talking. Oh no no no! I'm saying what we. This seems like a good point to wrap it up on. Oh yeah! All right. Yeah, enjoy Nebraska. For yeah. I don't know how the fuck that's even physically possible, but enjoy Nebraska. <laughs> buy go buy yourself a Cornhusker shirt. They got to be like ten bucks at a Walmart somewhere. I got like fifty bucks here. You won't believe it. That's all they got. That and corn. It's like very expensive here. Yeah, it's that and corn. Listen, all I'm gonna say is. All you fantasy people out there, please root for Christian McCaffrey to get under 25 points tonight. Oh, yeah, I that's right. 40, <laughs> I got a 43-point fantasy lead. He's got McCaffrey and Lutz going in a full PPR. This is going to get me to the finals. Obviously, a lot of bragging rights when you're with friends. Yeah. So, please, I'm just hoping that Saints D shuts down McCaffrey, at least contains him, and nothing but touchdown for the Saints and go for two-point conversion. All right, well, I guess, uh, I guess the listeners are going to have to that was episode two of the Bleacher Creatures podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, we always appreciate the feedback you guys give us, both positive and the negative. Um, don't forget if you guys have any suggestions for a topic you want me and John or me and a guest to go over on an upcoming episode, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at bleachercreaturespodcast at gmail.com. Um, or if you want to go the Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter route, you can find us at the Bleacher Creatures Podcast. Um, if we do choose to use it, we will give you a shout out in the episode and yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy this one as much as the first one. Uh, we will be recording and releasing an episode next week between Christmas and new years. Um, but if for, if anyone is getting to this after Christmas, uh, by please enjoy your holiday, make sure you have a safe, healthy and happy holiday. And don't forget to like us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and yeah. Please share the episodes as they come out. Uh, We will be dropping the link to episode two in our Instagram bio. So please uh, check it out through there. And I know I've said it once and I'll say it again. Uh, Please have a great holiday.